Welcome to the Marketplace Awakening Podcast. We hope to inspire you to live out your life as salt and light in the marketplace. Thank you so much, uh, Isaiah, uh, Dennis. Yeah, thank you for this uh, privilege to share. Uh, you know, with the fellowship, it's really so beautiful to know that uh, you know, um, working uh, people like us, we, we we come together. You know, to to spur one another on where God has placed us in the workplace. Uh, to continue on, right? Uh, to to know the very purpose uh, why God places us where we are. Okay, good. thank you. You know, I was uh, having a um, coffee once uh, before the circuit breaker uh, with an ex client uh, turned friend, and we were talking about uh, business uh, uh, development strategy and uh, um, the outlook. Then he remarked to me, he said, uh, well, we got to know your enemy and mm. then know yourself. You know, that's a lesson from Sun Tzu's uh, Art of War. But I thought about it and I thought to myself, indeed, for the child of God, we need to add one very essential line. And that is to know your God. Mm. You know, and I hope that uh, uh, during this uh, pandemic, or for that matter, any circumstances, you know, that we know that knowing your enemy, knowing yourself, is effective. But knowing your God, that is imperative. I hope we have all uh, found some, uh, what you call, um, pause moment in this circuit breaker. Uh, wherever we are uh, working from home, uh, and maybe some of us need to go back to the office occasionally, uh, to, to have found some time for the, the moments with the Lord uh, himself, to know him and to know him more. Just as the psalmist says, uh, uh, be still and know that you, that he is God. And mm. uh, we want to give uh, God all the glory, right? Mm. To praise him, to thank him for opportunities like this that we can gather uh, for his uh, glory. You know, a friend of mine was uh, talking about, uh, you know, going back to normal life, you know. And then she remarked something very uh, uh, interestingly and very importantly as well uh, about going back to our normal life. And she said this, she wrote uh, in, in, the, uh, in the chat group that we had, she says, going back to our normal life. Well, what if your normal, my normal, is not God's normal at all? It's quite an interesting thought. What if the normal I know is not the normal that God is trying to lead me to? You know, brothers and sisters, I believe the Lord allows this uh, pandemic for a redemptive purpose. So let this circuit breaker, even for us as Christians, believers, Christians, children of God, disciples of Jesus Christ, let this circuit breaker compel us to deliberate a definitive correction in our personal and family life, and also our business and working life as well. Indeed, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, perhaps the old normal um, for many has uh, been destructively abnormal, where we live with little or even no regard for God and His kingdom. So maybe we set to a correct a real normal. One where we are spiritually normal and normally spiritual. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we continue to pray for those at the front end in healthcare, in service, essential services. Uh, for those who may not have as much, if any at all, the pause time that many talk about during this pandemic. Uh, let's pray that they will also have continued strength and the grace um, throughout this period uh, to find rest and to come to know Jesus Christ who offers the true ultimate rest. I'd like to share with us, uh, as I've been pondering over this uh, circuit breaker, this uh, pause moment, a passage that I've always been uh, intrigued with, uh, but I've never really gotten to prepare it as a message. Uh, which I did during this circuit breaker. And uh, the title, as uh, you would have seen, is uh, Ready Plus. And let me just call out this uh, screen 
um, to, to read this together. Ready plus living at the end of all things. We know we are living in the last days. We read of the signs of the last days in Matthew 24. And in the many passages in scriptures, right, including Daniel and uh, Mark and Luke and Revelation and others. Uh, this passage in First uh, Peter, are you on the screen? You can see the screen. Yes, First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 through 11. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a passage that really helped me and I believe uh, and hope that it will also help you kind of uh, uh, bring, to, bring to very crystal thought uh, how we then live even in these days where the Bible described at the end of all things is at hand. How do we then live in such a time as this? Well, Peter writes here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. You can read it together silently uh, or aloud uh, uh, where you are. Uh, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Number one, prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Number two, love. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. Number three, without grumbling. And as each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. Number four, the manifold of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the Bible doesn't segregate when they are writing. Is it writing to the clergy or is it writing to the layman? It is such a uh, segregation. It's writing to Christians. It doesn't say that this is only to be in the context of uh, the church or, you know, at a home, but everywhere, including where God has placed us in business and in the marketplace. And we go forth in that confidence to know God has a purpose where he has placed each one of us. So I've entitled this message, Ready Plus, ready to help us to remember to be ready at all times because the end of all things is at hand. And I like to use the acronym PLUS to kind of capture the four aspects that the Apostle Peter um, um, urged us in this passage. So ready PLUS, number one, it is pray. To pray, Peter writes, by the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Oswald Chambers, um, uh, the uh, um, British uh, author and uh, Bible teacher, um, he, he puts a, a very um, succinct quote on prayer. Uh, Oswald Chambers put it this way. He says, prayer is not preparation for work. It is work. Prayer is not preparation for battle. It is the battle. And for us who are in Christian work and ministry, serving the Lord, we know that is so true because on our knees when we come before the Lord, when we pray to Him, when we look to Him, it is where that happens. We know it in the Bible, in Daniel, and other men of God as they pray. How God, how, how that, that, Prayer closet, how that boardroom meeting with the Lord, your boss, is far, far more important and has far-reaching effects and impact compared to the meetings we have in our offices on projects, on business meetings, which of course are very important as well. But above all, let it be that we know to pray unto the Lord. Prayer and watchfulness. They go very closely together. There are many passages in the Bible that urges us to watch and pray. Let me just read a few to you. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In Luke 21, verse 34, 
Jesus says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. One more, Colossians 4 verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So be serious. Self-discipline, sober, alert, watchful. You know, it calls for vigilance. It means that we know, you and I know what's important at the end of the day. Capital D-A-Y. I want to encourage you when, uh, whenever you hear, whenever you say at the end of the day, which you use it so often, uh, would you just replace the day with a capital D? And then it gives you the whole perspective that when you say at the end of the day, whatever that may be, right? whether it's in the bottom line of your business, in the project uh, continuity, in the uh, uh, what you call allocation and assignment of resources, whatever it is, sometimes you say at the end of the day, ah, replace that day with a capital D. I do that very often in my work. I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm in a consulting, technology consulting, and we, we uh, provide financial uh, technology uh, software. Uh, to banks and financial institutions. Uh, you know, and, and, and whatever we do, when we can put what we do in the right perspective, it helps us to know what we are about. So use common phrases like at the end of the day, right? I'm sure you have heard it. You probably have used it very, very frequently yourself. The next time you do that, replace it with a capital D. So that in whatever context we are using that phrase, at the end of the day, we remember that day. That day. And that is the day where the final accounting is done. Where we will know what it is that matters and truly count. Peter, in the same chapter of 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 2, he says to Christians, people who have come to know the Lord, that he says uh, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the last of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime. Uh, some of us are very young here, so maybe <laughs> it's not so much a lot of our uh, time in the past lifetime, but whatever time that we have spent as a non-believer of Jesus Christ, as a non-disciple of Jesus Christ, now that we have come to know the Lord, Peter writes, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. This is just in the few verses ahead from the passage we are looking at in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Brothers and sisters, whatever your circumstance may be, your reference is Jesus Christ. It's not the coronavirus, not the circuit breaker, not even the end of this pandemic, which of course we pray will end soon. But your reference and your anchor in life, my friends, is Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the centrality of the gospel is not something we as Christians just apply when we are in the church or in our cell groups or in whatever spiritual meeting. Um, but we know it is for the glory of God that we can live the same life in the church, at home, and in the marketplace. We do so because we know we serve one God who is with us always, 24-7. So how do you become, or how, how should you then uh, um, cultivate a countenance, right? A disposition of seriousness, of being sober and watchful. I want to share with you, and I really believe that it all begins with your communion with Jesus. Your entire life, who you are and what you do, takes its reference 
from Jesus. You know, when you begin to do that, you will go beyond asking questions like, why? You will go beyond asking, why me? And then perhaps ponder, why not? Why not me? You know, we uh, are sad, but of course we rejoice also in the passing of uh, apologist Ravi Zacharias. So sudden and just uh, taken home, you know. Many will say, wow, he's so impactful in the way he delivers the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to those with, uh, who, who are very interested in the, in the uh, intellect, uh, in, in uh, reasoning and so on. But yet we, we know, we know when we begin to see from God's perspective, we dare to ask. Instead of why, we ask, why not? Because our reference is no longer the circumstances, but our reference is Jesus. Jesus is your reference. And you begin to see things from God's sovereign will and purpose. His agenda, not yours, not mine. His purpose not ours. His values, not ours. His strength, not ours. You know, I always uh, advocate that communion precedes commission. Communion, where Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's communion, you come in the communion. That's in Matthew 11, brothers and sisters. And in Matthew 28, Jesus commissions us. He says, go into all the world. So communion precedes commission. I submit to you, this order must never be reversed. For it is in that communion that commission flows out most spontaneously and more sincerely. If we put it the other way around, commission first, and then stress so much on the commission, which praise God is, is so biblical, is so good. But if you hear of Christians who get burnout, who get disillusioned, and perhaps it could be very dangerous. Because if we go commission without that communion, we could end up going in our own strength. We end up going in our own ego, our own agenda, and our own values and program. Oh, but you and I, that we remember communion precedes commission, devotion precedes duty, and even donation. Oh, that we just know that the rest takes care of itself when you and I are well grounded in Jesus Christ. So be serious and watchful. I want to recommend to you a hobby, right? A, a, a hobby that I, I have. Uh, it's a hobby that you can, uh, you can uh, uh, cultivate, you can have, uh, whether you're working from home, stay at home, or if you're outside in the office, or even if you go on holidays, you know, when the, when the, when the whole pandemic, uh, seizures and improvers, uh, improves. Uh, you know, we, we, can, we can do all these things. And, and that hobby of mine is contemplation. Uh, in short, it can be something like daydreaming, but it's not daydreaming uh, in vain. Uh, but it's, it's just contemplation uh, in the Lord. It's a beautiful, beautiful hobby that I, I hugely recommend uh, to many of my church members and, 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 and Christian friends. You know, uh, uh, my office is in a Raffles place, uh, like, a, uh, you know, um, Marina Bay MBFC is also, is where Marina Bay is, you know. You know, sometimes in the evening, uh, you know, I, I will just go to Marina Bay, take a walk, you know, and, and you can see how many people actually change uh, to their jogging and their, their, what they call, sports attire you know, to go on walking or, or jogging around the place. Um, uh, please, if you are doing that, continue to do so. But, but let me recommend to you, 
that in addition to doing that, or more than doing that, you know, would you just go down and just take a walk, either alone or with another fellow Christian, but alone is beautiful, you know, in the presence of the Lord and you just walk and you contemplate. You just talk to the Lord, you know, and, and just have, have, have everything come into focus in your life. I do that so often with uh, not just family, uh, um, family, uh, what you call things and uh, affairs, uh, not only church affairs, but even in my business and work, you know, that you walk and it's just amazing. When you remember that Christ is the center of it all, everything that you are, everything that you do takes its reference from Jesus, your Lord, your master. And it's so beautiful when we do that because everything then falls into proper perspective. Talk to him about your problem in your world. You know, the nasty customer that you have, or maybe perhaps some superior or your boss, or maybe a very difficult project team, you know, that you're dealing with some project issue, uh, maybe the technical issue of the project itself, but also can be people issue. And uh, then you just walk and you talk with more than anyone else, your God. You know, to say, God, lead me, guide me, and help me to handle this situation so that I can do it well for your glory. So that at the end of the day, uh, remember, capital D, right? We use the capital, uh, the, the, the small little D for whatever, but remember the capital D, that we are here for a different purpose. In perspective, all for the glory of God. So I recommend to you, I, I do that, you know, this hobby in Marina Bay, very nice. I can also do that in the, in the quietness in my own home, in my room. It doesn't need to be some nice mountain or river or sea or scenery, but it is where you are before God. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, how precious it is in the times we live in. At the end of all things, even as these are at hand, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Number one, pray. Number two, the Apostle Peter urges us to love. Peter writes, but the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You know, you have probably heard it said that you can give without loving. But brothers and sisters, you can hardly love without giving. For at the very heart and essence of love is the embodiment of God himself. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Well, but some will say, well, love, love, mushy, mushy, love. Let's keep it to the church. Let's keep it to home. You know, uh, in the workplace where the rubber meets the road, you know, where tempers flare and where, where uh, what do you call dog eat dog, whatever we may call it. There is no place for love, brother. Is that so? You know, in this time of pandemic, even as our mountain ministry task force worked on this very, very uh, uh, severe crisis, you know, one of my prayers is for, for children of God, the Daniels, the Joseph that God has placed in government position. That I pray and I hope and I trust you also pray the same. That they will have love, care and compassion even in the measures that are meted out. And we want to know that because people will know whether you do this because of the numbers, whether they are profit and loss numbers or economic numbers, or whether you are doing it because you truly love and care for the person. Love, fervent love, earnest love. The love of Christ compels us, Paul writes also in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. Why do you do what you do? Because the love of Christ 
compels you. Why do the organizers, the leaders of this fellowship, this standard chartered thing, organize a fellowship like this? Why do you give so much of yourself for the people you come in contact with at your workplace to show the love of Christ? Why? Because the love of Christ compels us. Brothers and sisters, love is actionable. And love is also the truest and the purest motive. You do not feel as digits, but as, as persons created in the image of God. You see people as your mission. You do not see them as mere resources to help you achieve the numbers, the profits, the projects, the milestones. People are your mission. And that's what your master commissioned you to go for. People are not invisible to you, not just mere numbers. Like you just treat them like tools and machinery. And so where God has placed us in the marketplace, in your workplace, you have a team, you have colleagues, and even your bosses and your subordinates, your customers, your business associates, wherever God has put people around us, those people are your mission. Isn't it beautiful that we are already in the goal? Why <laughs> Jesus says go. The pastor says to you in church, go. You are already at the goal. I'm at the goal Mondays to Fridays. Uh, unless, of course, we are not in the office or on leave or on holiday. You know, but you are already at the place where we are. And uh, even in this time you know, that we live in, uh, you know, how do we then contextualize the going? Right? It doesn't mean that just because we are working from home that we have forgotten our mission. The goal is still very important. And uh, may God lead us, guide us. Right? I, I just uh, uh, make calls to my team you know, to, to just uh, uh, have a chat with them. Nothing about work. How are you doing? How are you uh, keeping? Are you doing an exercise? You know, do that. And, and so that people know that you really, really and, and there's something we want to know because when Jesus, uh, you know, left word for his disciples, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you, what? Love. If you have love one for another. So let it be that we go forth because we desire honestly, truly, the highest good for our people. And people will know. People will know whether you are using them or you are really interested in them as a person. But that of course doesn't mean if you are running a business, if you are running your projects and you are working for the bank that, you know, uh, bottom lines are not important, uh, you know, uh, results are not, of course they are important. But above all, we know that we are guided by kingdom principles. Biblical principles, and you dare to apply that because you know your God. You know who your real boss is for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. He says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me but not all things edify. You read on, you know, it talks about this stumbling block principle. That sometimes we just keep aside our, our so-called right, or even the knowledge that we have, so that we do not stumble others. And even if we have to do something very, very serious that affect, you know, the, the livelihood of our, our staff or subordinate, uh, perhaps maybe in appraisal and so on, we do so with tender loving care. We do so as the Bible would tell us, speak the truth in love. You know, speak the truth in love. We read that and we hear of that in church. But you know, in a workplace, it's so applicable. Uh, for example, you know, at the uh, uh, appraiser uh, time where, where, where we talk to our uh, subordinates and our team, you know, how that's very important. Uh, that we, although it may be true that they need to really back up in their, in their performance and whatever, but in all these things, we know we speak the truth in love. 
you know, and uh, that is so characteristics of uh, what God has spoken to us. And uh, Peter goes on to say, having love, fervent love for one another, he says, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, this doesn't mean that we condone or love condone sin. Definitely not. But it means that you and I are able to see the bigger picture. Don't let little things bother you. Love covers a multitude of sin. Jesus gave us the fine example. On the cross, amidst the ridicule, the suffering, the mockings, and whatever that Jesus faced, Jesus looked to God and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You know, my brother used to tell us in the family, don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> I find that very helpful because in life, really, there are many things that are small stuff. Look at the big picture. We are here for a different reason. You have heard me say this many times, brothers and sisters. So when we go about our work, right, in our, in our office, where we attend to meetings and uh, meet project deadlines and budgets and so on, remember beyond these things. Above all these things, we have a greater purpose for the glory of God. So number one, pray. Number two, love. Number three, use hospitality. I'm using the King James Version of rendering in this verse. King James Version in verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Or offer hospitality without complaining without grumbling. Use hospitality. You know, the practice of hospitality is found in various, many Bible passages. In fact, it's also one of the traits of uh, the qualifications of a leader, uh, as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. Hospitality is not about your home decor. It is also not about the sumptuous spread of a meal. It is more than bringing people to your dining table. It is bringing people to your heart. The Bible says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Of course, during this uh, circuit breaker time, you know, it's very hard to have uh, to show hospitality in a physical way. But we pray that, that the word of God is the same. It's how we apply it. You know, uh, uh, can we show hospitality even in a time like this? You know, how we can bring people to our heart that people know that they are there and they are remembered. You know, perhaps start with your family members. You know, uh, in my family, we continue to do our Zoom, uh, we call it the e-copy. You know, everybody have a cup of uh, drinks and we have e-copy, you know, and, uh, you know, I come from a big family, we gather. You know, I do the same with our cell group, you know, uh, and, and, and various, uh, various uh, uh, things that we do. Uh, and, and also, how about your, your team members? If you're over, you know, a department or a division, how about calling the, the people that... Uh, uh, the Lord lay on your heart, just to call on them. Uh, perhaps not just necessarily your second tier, but even right to the bottom. You know, uh, the, the, the junior staff, uh, you know, how, how they might be very surprised you call them and, and, and let them know that you call not because you're trying to make up the number and say, I have called. <laughs> but they know by the way you relate to them, they know you really care for them. So let's see people beyond the digits beyond seeing them, you know, which is so easy a temptation for all of us. We all have our budgets, all of us have our deadlines and, and uh, project uh, uh, issues that we need to resolve. And it's so easy to just treat people as resources, as digits, to just get it done. But beyond this, let us be able to see them as persons. Those who are Christians, to encourage them in the Lord. And those who are not, that we can be exemplary, pointing them to Jesus Christ unto his glory. 
And so as you show hospitality, as you use hospitality, as the King James Bible says, hopefully, you know, do it with your heart, willingly, wholeheartedly. Do it as unto the Lord, not grudgingly, not complaining, not reluctantly, and certainly not because it is just an external act. Not because you have to, but because you want to. You want to show the love of God, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In his uh, eschatological pronouncement in Matthew 25, Jesus says of the righteous when they ask him. Matthew 25 verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did, you, did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Amen. Number one, pray. Number two, love. Number three, use hospitality. And number four, certainly not the least, steward. Verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 4. As each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Or in another version, it says the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. You probably know that uh, we can quite easily kind of summarize stewardship in three main categories, or perhaps more if you like. But that of your time, that of your talent and gifts, and that of your treasure. And so let us use wisely, even the time that we have working from home. Uh, it does not mean that if you, we, are, we are freer. In fact, I just spoke to my team members you know, this morning and uh, uh, one of them said, wow, I'm more busy than ever because the client expects you to work even more. You know? uh, and, and, uh, and it doesn't mean you have more time, but uh, probably you know, in whatever way it is, the stewardship of our time, of the talent that we have, been bestowed upon, given the resources and also the treasure, right? Whether they are financial resources or whatever, you know. And one thing incidentally, uh, you know, if you, are, if you are going online in the church services every Sunday, uh, the physical offering back doesn't come around. Uh, can I just share something with you? Stewardship is not about the offering back coming around and whatever, you know. Uh, 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 opening up your wallet, see whatever you want to put and you put in. Stewardship is very intentional. So intentional that you exactly know what you're going to give to the Lord. Or sometimes I don't use the word give, I use this verse, right? Because all belongs to Him. And it's for Him to instruct us to disperse accordingly to where He wants His funds to be directed. And so the church should and never will suffer because everyone is online. No offering back physically is passed around. But we can give many ways, right? I'm sure some of our churches, we have uh, the accounts of the church. You uh, can send a check to the church, whatever that may be. In other words, stewardship does not depend upon the physical offering back coming around. You already know what it is that needs to go where they should. Ask your king and the owner of it all directs. You see, so as stewards, let's direct our life, our words, and our works to matters of your faith in Jesus Christ. You read of uh, Sarah, the daughter of Ravi, Zechariah, and uh, you know, he, 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 she, she put there that, that even in the final moments of her father, everything that is said, the father turns it into a subject matter centered on Jesus Christ. How beautiful for us when we can remember that in the midst of our work, 
however tough it may be, Jesus is there. That we can relate everything because Christ is the reference. Not just of matters pertaining to my responsibilities in the church or at home, but also in matters as the Lord placed me at the workplace. And in my case, and perhaps many other Christians, the running of a business, that it is really the Lord's business that we are about. So we go forth so that everything that we are and everything that we do stands from our humble acknowledgement that God is the owner and you are the steward. That God is the creator and you and I are the creator. To God be the glory and let us go forth in the confidence for all that God so desires of us. Good stewards, for what God has directed us and led us for His glory. I'm going to call out the screen again uh, as we look at this passage. So we see there four things. The Apostle Paul urges us. Number one, to pray. Serious, watchful, alert. Fervent love, earnest love. Number three, use hospitality without grumbling, complaining. And steward. Good stewardship, faithful stewardship. Steward all that God has entrusted to us. Even as we remember, at the end of the day, capital D, the commendation of the master, well done, well good and faithful servant. You know, I want you to know, just note in closing this beautiful doxology that we read here in this passage. So verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever, ever. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters, this is so beautiful. I'm so encouraged that even as, uh, you know, uh, exalting uh, the Christians in those times, at, at, in, the, in the time that people rise, that he will put in that doxology to, to, to help all of us know that Christ is the center of it all, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right theology, brothers and sisters, leads to right doxology. Right theology expresses itself in worship and praise. Right theology inspires a life lived for the glory of God. J.I. Packer, author and uh, Bible teacher, he puts it beautifully. He says, theology is for doxology and devotion. That is, the praise of God and the practice of godliness. You know, may we just go forth to remember our life is a doxology to God. That we worship the Lord wherever we are. Not just on Sundays, but every other day. Not just in church, but wherever we are. Certainly at home, but also and also in the workplace and when we are about our business. Let our IQ be very low. I am not referring to your intelligence quotient. I'm referring to the big I, capital I. Let your IQ be very low. In fact, Christians should have very low IQ. You know, learn it from uh, John the Baptist where he says, he must increase and I must decrease. So it's healthy for Christians to have low I. You know, and the gospel is really not one where it is the I and M, I, me, and mine. The I and M gospel 
of I, me, and mine is sadly misguided. It's never I and M. For it is that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, one uh, writer writes in the Ligonian ministry, he puts it quite uh, pointedly. He says this, Knowing about the Lord is pointless without worship and praise. After all, the devil knows far more about God than we do. And yet this knowledge gives him no benefit because he refuses to bow the knee in humble adoration. Church, brothers and sisters, we who spend a lot of our time at our workplace, let us remember that we are a peculiar people, very peculiar. Our colleagues and our business associates, partners, our customers, they should look at us and say, you are a peculiar person. We've got love over here in this kind of environment. Don't eat dog, go for it, you know? Fight for your right. Stand up for your right. Yet we know kingdom principles is at the heart of all that we are and we do. For we live a different purpose. As Peter writes, which I read earlier in the same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That's for you. And that's for me. Praise the Lord. And we look not in the rewards of this earth, of this day, of this world, but we look as Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read it for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Isn't it beautiful? My dear brothers and sisters, even as we work, you know, so hard, and I hope you're enjoying your work. I, I enjoy my work. I enjoy the business that the Lord has given to me in uh, technology consulting. I enjoy it. And all these things that I do, I don't segregate between my commitments in the church as an elder of the church, as an overseer of, a, you know, the, the, the uh, ministry. And the responsibility I have in the business, in the office, but they are one and the same. You know, it's really so beautiful because when you blur the line or let God blur the line for you between that which is the so-called sacred and secular, you realize that everything that you are and do for God, that becomes holy business. Even a cup of water that is given, even a call that is given to one of the juniors in your team, in love, in concern, in compassion. Even the things that we do in treatment, in a very nasty situation, where we have to bring about an amicable solution between two parties, that we pray for wisdom in bringing about a resolution that we can say at the end of it, oh, that was true. That was true, God. Because you've been praying and asking God for the grace, for the guidance to do all for the glory of God. And so I urge you to just go forth the next time you say ready, go. Before that, remember, ready, plus. Pray. Love. Use hospitality. Steward. It's a beautiful 
modus operandus, if you like, in this passage. Of course, many other passages, but here it crystallizes for us, even in the time that we live in, how this so much characterizes our life and our livelihood, all to the glory of God. Amen. Can I invite you just to bow in silence just for a minute and ponder over what the Lord would have spoken to you. Let me just put out this screen again as you read it in your own way. Let's just spend a minute in silent meditation. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather in this manner. Lord, the uh, e-gathering uh, of your people in this uh, session, and we pray, Lord, even for what you have spoken to us, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to see that we are a very peculiar people. We are a chosen people, chosen generation, a royal priesthood a people belonging to God, here for a different purpose, here looking for a glorious future in Jesus Christ. And for the reason you have placed us where we are, wherever God you have placed us, help us to know that these are vehicles, the means, upon which, Lord, you have bestowed to us to bring forth and to point people to Jesus Christ, our Lord, for all the glory, for all that you so desire in us. We pray, Lord, to go forth as your children, as your servants, for your glory. The Sundays and the other days, that at church and outside the church, we are that same living sacrifice before you. The Lord will live, let it be, holy, acceptable to you, that sacrifice of ours unto the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, is there anyone that would like to raise a question? Hi, Ban Singh. Um, so I also work at Raffles Place. So what you say about running at Marina Bay really resonates with me. <laughs> okay, so um, we all want to excel at the workplace for God's glory. But sometimes when we try to do that, um, we may have a tendency of becoming workaholics, which is, of course, not what we want. So how do you strike a more conscious balance between doing your best at work, but also not becoming too consumed by it? Okay, so um, I, I uh, just want to share from my experience. Uh, you know, the, the, the Bible has given us a lot of God's promises. And uh, they are really there, not just for us to apply, uh, you know, at the church setting or at home, but definitely at the workplace. I'll give you one example. Um, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things. All these things shall be added to you. You know, as children of God, I believe if we dare to take God at His word, you begin to see so amazing things happening. Now, it doesn't mean for one moment that your work is secondary or necessarily secondary, right? To, to, to as I said just now, you know, whether, whether, whether I'm serving or, or preaching in the church, uh, you know, or whether I'm, uh, I'm doing ushering in the church, or whether I'm at a meeting, maybe uh, counseling or, or working, uh, talking with a fellow colleague. Both can be as spiritual as you make it unto the Lord. When it's done for the Lord, it is holy business. So when I'm saying that, I'm not in any way saying that our work is so-called secondary. Uh, because when we have the right view of work, we realize that work, is, uh, work can be worshipped God. You know, the creativity we had, the way we handle situations, the way we write an email, the way we craft, you know, our marketing uh, collaterals, the way we handle projects, anything. God is there with us, right? As God bestowed upon uh, uh, the, the children of Israel, uh, creativity, 
in their work, in their uh, craftsmanship and so on. Pray for that as well, even as God leads us. So God is there at our workplace. Okay, how do we then take a verse like, seek ye first the kingdom of God? It is to know what God desires for us to be and to do. You know, I always like to uh, uh, use these two words of uh, important and urgent. You know, so for example, when I have two tasks and so on, they are very, very important uh, coming upon me. Uh, the, the question we always ask is, uh, of course, both are important. If they are not important, they shouldn't even be in the list. You know, but they are important, but which is more urgent? You know, and then you, you, you go forth, do uh, accordingly. So in a verse, like seeking first the kingdom of God, you put the first thing first. Okay? Uh, personally, for me, um, I, I believe our families are very important. You know, so uh, I often advocate and uh, share with our fellow Christians. You know, don't don't serve the Lord in spite of your your family commitment. You know, uh, uh, or some may put it very bluntly: don't don't serve the Lord in spite of your wife <laughs> or in spite of your husband. You know, but serve the Lord with your wife or with your husband. So it comes then that the the husband relationship, husband wife relationship or for that matter, the whole family, uh, coming together to know the purpose. And uh, you know, if you are the uh, man of the house, uh, brothers who are listening to this, uh, you, you set the spiritual uh, climate for the family, you know, so that whether the person is at work or at home, you know that we can truly offer this to God uh, as a living sacrifice, as worship to Him, right? So do your best and leave the rest. And if God gives us the amount of time needed, you know, uh, in the workplace, do your best for whatever you can, right? I, I know that, uh, you know, sometimes in, in, uh, in technology, I'm in technology, I, I, I'm sure you can relate the same to you for whatever uh, issues that you may have. I can sit down, crack my head and, you know, and, oh, it's so hard for, for a breakthrough to come by. Then I just go and then, do what I need to do. And there was once I remember, I was so tired. I said, God, I just, I've, I've done whatever I can. Whatever I can, I've done. I, I just need to sleep. I'm so tired. And it just kind of felt the Lord saying to me, go and sleep, you know. And I rested, I slept, I woke up, you know. And then, you know, you believe in miracles, the Lord can just put in you, you know, a breakthrough. Right to a solution uh, to to a to an issue that you are grappling with or having problem with, you know. So uh, do do your best, do your best. As I often tell my son, since uh, when he was young until now, he's also working. He's a working adult now. Do your best and leave the rest to God. You know, do your best and leave the rest to God. And you know something, really? I, I mean, those fathers and parents, you will know. There was once I came back from office and I was really, really, you know, tired out. Everything that I could have done was done. And my family saw it, my wife saw it, my son saw it. And you know what my son said to me? My son said to me, Papa, do your best and leave the rest to God. You know, more than that advice is so wonderful for a father to hear what he has been always telling the son all these years, do your best and leave the rest. So that's an example of, uh, you know, keeping kingdom principles. And remember, God is with us in our work. And uh, just do your best so that we put first things first. One more question, Bansing, from uh, Miki. And she asked this question, how do we serve the Lord as a family when our spouse and family members are not yet believers? So I, I, I recall, uh, or I'll refer you to uh, what Paul urges, you know, um, the, the uh, Christians in, in uh, Corinthians, in, you know, in those days uh, where, where, you know, both were not Christian and then, you know, one of them come to know the Lord and, and uh, uh, Paul urges, you know, to just stay on, to, to, to show forth so that by your example, uh, they may be drawn to the Lord. So prayer will be very, very 
um, very important and essential in a time like this. Because we can only show forth God's love, work it forth and let, let the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts heart, right? And so do whatever we can um, in, in the family and uh, serving the Lord would not be easy. For example, they will not understand why you must always go to church on Sunday. You know, why are you always in cell group? Why are you always in there? And, and, and so it is, um, it is really um, praying that they may come to know the Lord. And I think the mission field uh, will be that they are so precious to you. You spend so much time in the family and let it be that there will be the opportunity where you can show forth uh, in demonstration Christ's love to them, right? So the things we spoke about, pray, love, and then uh, of course hospitality, uh, you know, in, in the regard of showing love and uh, steward what God has given to us. Um, it, it is not easy and it is really praying for God's grace, God's wisdom uh, uh, in how God, you can direct me to, to areas accordingly. So in all these things, let it be that we can show love. Show love in a way that they can see that, that our greatest desire is uh, for them as persons and for them to come to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's not easy, but we can trust the Lord to to uh, go forth for the glory of God in confidence to what He desires for us. Yeah. I, I think it's not an easy, easy question, but um, uh, we, can, we can truly look to God to, to uh, what you call, work in them, pray so that they too can come to know Jesus Christ.